Love that. Uh, welcome to Grace this weekend. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And if you're a guest with us, probably haven't met you yet. Love to meet you. Maybe say hi after the service. And I am fired up to be with you this weekend. I love this time of year. Fall is my favorite season. Love uh, cracking open the wood-burning stove and get that thing moving. Lots of fun. And uh, we have been in a series over the last handful of weeks. Pastor Jeff's been leading us down this conversation all about friendship. And uh, we've been saying that uh, even as we begin to look at friendship, what we've been saying is we really have to take a couple steps back and look at the reality of how human beings are made. We we said that we are not made to be alone. Human beings aren't made to live in isolation from one another. Actually, the very core of who we are as humans is we are made to be relational people, relational beings. That's why we would value things and be drawn to things like marriage. It's why we would value and be drawn to things like family, and those would show up as, as huge priorities in our lives. And then that would also show up at the friendship level. And we said if we don't have somebody to connect to and share life with and share victories or struggles or, or really kind of share our heart with and let them share their heart with us, we're going to feel like there's a void, there's a missing aspect of life if we can't look around kind of the landscape of our relationships and say, man, those are my friends. So we said this is a, a huge part of the human experience. It's, it's not something that is uh, societal or cultural. This is something that's human, right? It's just a part of who we are. And friendships are going to show up in every society, every culture, all throughout all of history, because it's built into the fabric of what it means to be human being. And so we've been talking about different kinds of friends. Pastor Jeff laid this all out. He talked about uh, circumstantial friends, seasonal friends, friends that are going to show up for a little while in our lives, and then we kind of move on and have different seasonal friends, lifelong friends, people are going to journey with us through life. Uh, We talked about destructive friendships. It's a little bit of a painful one, where we have friends that are in our lives that maybe are hurting us in some specific ways and how to deal with that. And then we also talked... Uh, last weekend about friends that become family, right? When there is uh, people, friends in our lives that supplement or even sometimes replace our biological family. Fantastic conversations. If you missed any of those, really encourage you to get caught up online. You can do that at graceohio.org or go through the, uh, the app and uh, you can watch those online. I know I personally have just really valued having some honest and sincere, kind of taking the time to have the conversations about friendship. Right? And I think it shows up in all kinds of ways. What we want to do this weekend as we wrap up the conversation is we really want to look at, at really the deepest level that friendship can go to. And we're going to talk about what it means to have a friendship with God. Right? What does it look like or what could it look like to have a, an actual friendship with God? And so even as I say that, I know there's all kinds of things that would come into our mind. Right? We talk about a friendship with God all the way from the the theoretical of how would I even be accepted by God. We're going to talk about some of those kind of extremes that are going to show up as, as we would approach God. What might that look like? All the way to the very practical of how do, you, how do you have a friend you can't even see? You know, like I can't even sit down over coffee or go do a project with, with God. I, I can't look at him and understand where he is and what he's feeling. Practically speaking, like what does it mean to have a friendship with God kind of day in and day out. So what we're going to do over the course of our conversation as we wrap this series up is we're going to look at some of those aspects. 
And we're going to start a little bit at the theoretical and, and how we would approach God and some of the extreme views maybe of, of what it means to come towards God and move towards Him as a friend. And then what I'll, I'll guarantee if you stick with me here is we're going to move closer and closer to the very, very practical of what does it look like kind of day in and day out to have a friendship with God. So I want to start here on this. I was thinking about a couple different extremes that are going to show up. As I look at myself and right, others, when I look at what it means to have a friendship with God, kind of move towards having this uh, deep connection with someone who is invisible, how do I do that? And what would extreme versions of that look like? It'd be beautiful if we all just kind of move directly towards God. But I think in reality, there's a couple different extremes that we would take. One of them is that I would think of myself as it pertains to being a friend of God as being disqualified from having a friendship with God. Disqualified from having a friendship with God. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. I think when I, when I look at myself and I look at my own humanity and my weaknesses, right? if we're honest, we know we have all kinds of weaknesses personally. Everything from personality weaknesses to bad habits all the way uh, to kind of the sin that would show up in our lives, and when we think about the thoughts that play out in our minds, the words that have come out of our mouths, that the actions and the priorities that have shown up, one extreme response in approaching friendship with God is to think there's no possible way when I look at who I am that, that God can consider me qualified to have a friendship with Him. Like there's just too big of a divide. There's no way, right? Because I know who God is. I recognize that He is perfect, that He is flawless, that He's never sinned, that's never been a part of who He is, it's never going to be. I, I could never imagine myself being able to bridge the gap and have a connection with God, a friendship with Him, view myself as uh, disqualified. I think that's one extreme that we can run to as we move towards friendship with God. I was thinking about this. I had a friend uh, in high school. I ran track and cross country in high school. And I, I got to run with this guy. He was one year older than me. His name's Mike. And as a freshman, he was like really good. Uh, when I came in, he was a sophomore, right? He's one year older. I came in as a freshman. He was really good. He played like five sports. He was re really well respected. And he was uh, good in school. And he had a lot of friends. And he was kind of well-known, well-respected guy, great athlete. And I would look to that, that guy's name's Mike, as I mentioned, and I would look at him kind of as a role model, you know? And I'd say, man, as I'm moving through high school, like, I would love to be like that guy, right? If I had to pick kind of somebody to target, I'd want to aim my life and kind of be like, yeah, this is before I knew Jesus. And so as I look towards uh, running, running cross country and track, as we went through the years, we really got to know each other, we got to build a friendship. You run together, you win and lose races together, Right? You sweat and cry and do all that stuff you do in sports. You guys played sports, you know how that works. And so over time, we built this relationship with one another. You know? And I came into this relationship and thinking, like, man, like, Mike is like up here. You know, I had him on this pedestal. I'm like, man, I, I want to be like Mike. This is not Jordan. I didn't go to high school with Jordan. But right, I want to be like Mike. I want to like, uh, pursue kind of something like what he has. But over our course of high school, what happened was uh, we started to form this connection 
But I, I never really could believe that like Mike and I could actually be friends. Like he was just too awesome, frankly, for me to be able to connect to him. And finally what happened was we moved towards a graduation. He graduated and he invited me uh, to his graduation party. You know, and I remember getting the graduation in, invitation in the mail, and I'm like looking at this thing, and I think, you know, Mike is like a really, he's a solid guy, he's a nice guy, he's just probably being polite, and probably just inviting everybody on the team. You know, it's like, it's like a courtesy that he would in, invite me to be at his graduation party. That's probably what's going on here. And so what did I do with that? I did an RSVP, and I never went. You know, I, I kind of thought, he won't even really notice that I'm not there. Mike would follow up with me about a week later. We bumped into each other, and he, he was kind of upset, you know. And he looked at me, and he's kind of like, hey, jerk. Like, why didn't you come to my party, <laughs> you know? Like, where were you? I invited you. I wanted you to come. And I remember interacting with his response back to me. And I, all of a sudden, in that moment, I realized that all my assumptions about Mike and about my ability to have a relationship with him, they were all wrong. They were all wrong. This guy that I put up on a pedestal was fully willing and excited to have a connection and a friendship with me, but for me, I considered myself kind of disqualified. Right? He, he, he was too far removed from me to be, to be able to be friends with me. So I think that's what we're talking about when we look at thinking of ourselves as being disqualified from having a relationship with God. There's no way that God would ever want to have a friendship with me. It's hard to believe. It's hard to lock on to. I don't believe that it's true. One extreme response. Now another extreme response, kind of the other end of the spectrum, right? If one is to think that I'm disqualified from having a friendship, the other is to think that I am guaranteed a friendship with God, that I'm guaranteed a friendship with God. Let's talk to this one. So this is, as I said, the opposite end of the spectrum, and this is, this is the, the classic phrase. I hear this all the time right now. Uh, if you guys ever hear somebody say, me and, me and Jesus are cool, right? We're, we're cool, I think what that means, I hear that phrase a lot, right? We're cool, me and Jesus are cool. I think that means Jesus, he kind of knows what I do, and he's okay with it. You know, and I show up and I do some things for Jesus, and I kind of know what he wants, and me and Jesus are, we're cool, right? We're fine, we're good, we're good to go. I think that phrase replaces the old, uh, Jesus is my homeboy phrase. Did anyone ever actually say that, by the way? I, actually, I asked that question last night, and somebody raised their hand. So evidently, someone said, Jesus is my homeboy. Right? But this is, this is somebody who's going to look and say, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty good person. I'm pretty much in with God. Like, when I look at my life, there, there's nothing so terrible that I would think, you know, I'm disqualified from having a friendship. I'm pretty much a shoo-in to have a connection with God. I do good things. I might go to church. I, I do good stuff Maybe for the poor, I help out, I volunteer, right? If you ask somebody, hey, if you, were, if you were to go to heaven, what would make you kind of qualified to do that? They might list a bunch of reasons why I might be guaranteed a spot there. I'm generally a good person. Nothing's going to disqualify me from having that friendship with God. If someone leaning down this road maybe uh, fails or struggles to believe in the love of God 
for them. Someone running down this road is going to struggle and, and fail to see the holiness of God, the otherness of God. Right? Be, because this, this person has forgotten this huge aspect of who God is, that God is perfect and He is holy. This isn't just having a friendship with a, a person, a human being. This is having a friendship with the holy creator of the universe who spoke everything into existence, right? Who's the author of every beautiful landscape we've ever seen. If you think of everything that is amazing that's been created by human beings, he is the God that put that potential within human beings. That's the God we're talking about. This is who we're talking about having a friendship with. Jesus is not my homeboy, right? He's the creator of heaven and earth. I want to look and I want to say, these are two extreme responses. I might find myself in either one or really anywhere in between. Now what I want to do is I want to take a look at what Jesus would say about having a friendship with God. What, what would be his perspective as it relates to that connection? I want to lead you into a passage here where Jesus is speaking. This is the book of John. Go ahead and turn there if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible or a newer translation, you can grab one from underneath the chairs there. You can take that home with you if you want. We would love for you to have kind of your own copy of God's Word. So make sure to grab that if you need one. You can also look along at the app. John 15, and what I want to do is read this whole section of Scripture, and we're going to come back and kind of overlay and see maybe what Jesus would have to say to this conversation in these few extremes we might find ourselves in. Here's where we are, John chapter 15, Jesus is having one of the last conversations he's, he would ever have with his disciples. This is a, the, the night before he would go to the cross, and so it, for me, as I'm reading through this passage and other passages like this, I always want to stay clued in because I think these are some of the most important things that Jesus would communicate to his disciples, right? This would be the things he wanted to make sure were imprinted on them before he left this earth. Listen to what he has to say. John 15:1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. In my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and I remain in his love. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this 
to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. It says, for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in the name of my father, he will give you this is my command, love each other. Jesus, after three years with his disciples, they would have begun as kind of servants, as disciples with him, followers of him. They would have been students. And now at the end of that three-year period, he would have looked at them and he said, you're my friends. But, but you need to understand how this relationship is. He would use this illustration of the vine and the branches and he would talk about the connection between he and them and he and his father. And he would, I think, speak deeply into any extreme point that we would land in. Here's what what Jesus may say here when we look at what it means to be disqualified. I think Jesus would look and say this in verse 9. He would say, right, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. One of the things that we need to see is that as a human being, if I have embraced Christ and I have a friendship with God, no matter where I am on the spiritual spectrum, I will never be disqualified from the love of God. I want you to hear that today. Uh, Guys, we carry all kinds of shame. We carry all kinds of guilt. If you would naturally connect with this, you're going to think, does God love me? Does God forgive me? Is it possible that God would actually want a friendship with me? I want you to hear this. God would say, listen, remain in my love. Trust it. Believe it. This is why the Apostle Paul would pray for the churches that he led. He would say, oh, God, I want, I want them to know how deep and how high and how wide is the love of God. I want them to experience your love, God, because our natural tendency is to drift down here and to fail to believe that God could forgive us and that God could love us and he could want a relationship with us. Jesus would say, I want you to work at remaining in my love. I want you to hear this. It takes takes some effort to believe that Jesus loves us. I got to work at believing and embracing that part of who God is. I got to remain in love. There's an active part for me to play in that. I'm not disqualified from the love of God. I'm not disqualified from friendship from him. I need to remain in his love. Jesus, I think, would speak to this as well in this passage and in others. He would say in verse 5, listen, apart from me, you can do nothing. What do you mean by that? I do all kinds of things. What do you mean apart from me, you can do nothing? There's nothing of any spiritual value that can be accomplished unless we are connected to Jesus Christ. Let me show you one more passage before we dive in fully here at Guaranteed Paul in Romans says this. I'll just read it to us. 
Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He says, we were, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. So while it's natural for us to think of ourselves as good people, it's natural for us to think of ourselves as being guaranteed a friendship with God, the Bible would flip that and say, no, that's not how it works. The default position of human beings, ready for this, is not to be a friend to God, it's to be an enemy. It's not to be a friend to God, it's to be an enemy. I am not guaranteed a friendship with God. In fact, the Bible would say, because of the sin that I've committed, I'm actually an enemy of God. I'm actually an enemy of God. And here's the wonder of this whole thing. Here's the wonder of this whole thing. Here's, here's the reality. The reality is this. I am only qualified to have a friendship with God through Christ. I'm only qualified to have a friendship with God through Christ. That's it. That's it. This is the beauty and wonder of the message of the gospel. And it's the beauty and wonder of what God has done for me and done for you. Watch how this works. When God, looking at a situation where all of humanity, the people that he created, we were all enemies with God. We had sinned against God and he would interpret that as rebellion. That's what sin ends up being, right? When, when we have God's will playing out and we have disobeyed that, God would say, that is rebellion against me. You are my enemies. Listen to this. When God made a conscious decision to send his son Jesus, what he did is he opened up an opportunity for God's enemies to become his friends. You see how that worked? When God sent his son, he opened up the opportunity for his enemies to become his friends. I look at that and I say, that doesn't make any sense at all. That is mind-blowing. Why would he do that? Why would God look at his very enemies and say, you know what I really want? I really want you to be my friend. I cannot explain that. I cannot define that. I can't put that on the whiteboard for us. I wish I could. That is the unfathomable, immeasurable love of our God. Because it's true that we have sinned him. It's true that we're we're not on our own qualified to be loved by God, per se. But through Christ and through the perfection that Jesus died to give us, now we can have access and have a friendship with God. In the Old Testament, only two men would ever be called friend of God directly. Abraham would be called a friend of God. Moses, by implication, the Bible says, talked to God as a friend. And now because of what Jesus has done, that invitation for friendship is open to all of humanity. Every nation and every tribe and every people of all ages and genders and languages now can have a friendship with God because of what Jesus has done. Man, that's amazing. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It creates a reality for us, though, that makes a friendship with God in some ways 
unique only to that friendship. There's some things about that that will not be like any other human friendship. Let me show you what I mean. A friendship with God begins with mercy. Friendship with God begins with mercy, right? We, we will never outgrow the reality that God has taken the initiative to offer us mercy in Christ, and that's why the friendship began. The friendship with, with God did not begin because we did good things. Uh, it, it didn't begin because we sought God out. A friendship with God began because God took the initiative to reach out and reach out and extend himself to people that were fighting against him, frankly. And so mercy will always mark our relationship and our friendship with God. It's always going to be true that if God didn't do that for us, we would be guilty of eternal separation from him. That's, that's, there's never going to be a day where that's not true. That changes a relationship. It marks it. Right? Imagine if we were in bankruptcy and if someone came out of the blue and said, I will pay your entire debt for you and I'll wipe it out. Why? Because I love you. That would mark a relationship. That would change it. It would always be marked by that act of mercy. If we were in jail and someone came to bail us out for no reason except they wanted to show kindness, that, that would mark a friendship. It would look different forever. We would never outgrow the reality that that happened. And the reality is in our relationship, our friendship with God, it's always going to have that framework of mercy that we stand on with God. And that is a beautiful and wonderful thing, and that creates an unbelievable gratitude out of us as we interact with God. Guys, that's what communion is all about. We've got communion coming up this week. What's that all about? It's about going back and remembering what Jesus did for us. Right? We're, we're communing with God over the great act of mercy that he had for us in Christ. That's what it's all about. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's different in some ways than many human relationships. Friendship uh, with God begins with mercy. A friendship with God is lived through humility. Jesus would talk to this, right, in John 15. He'd say, hey, I'm the vine, you're the branches, there's a reality that you always have to stay connected to me. Right? There's an honesty to this. That, that I am who I am. Who am I? I am a person who is deeply flawed and deeply loved. And I am dependent on the, the grace of Jesus in order to get to God. Jesus would have said earlier in the book of John, hey, hey the only way to get to me to get to my Father is through me, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus would say, I'm the, the vine, you're the branches. If you want to stay connected, you, you have to remain in me. And there's a humility to that. There's an honesty about who I am and about who God is and how that will always look. Friendship with God begins with mercy. It's marked by humility you say, that's, that's awesome. What does it actually look like day in and day out? We want to get practical with this. Right? So I gave you guys five things. I didn't put them in your notes here, but here are, here are five, kind of five steps or five aspects of what it means to be a friend to God. Okay? So you want to jot these in your notes if you're a note taker. Here's five quick things on what does it look like 
to be a friend to God, kind of the day in, the day out grind of friendship, so to say, describe that for me. And these certainly aren't comprehensive. They're not going to capture everything of what it means to be a friend to God, but I think there's some key ones that we want to make sure show up in that friendship. The first one is this. Uh, The first one is I want to listen. I want to listen. That's what we do in every good friendship. I'm going to open my ears. I'm going to hear you as a friend. Because what I would love to have happen is I would love to have us completely change our frame of reference for what the Bible is and how it's used. Some of us would have grown up thinking that the Bible is a a spiritual discipline that dutiful Christians interact with on a daily basis, right? 15 minutes, check, check, and that's what we do. What if the Bible is where we hear the heart of our friend? What if the Bible is capturing the heart and the mind and the passions and the dreams and the heartbreak of a friend? What if I could be open to listening to that? What if I have access to that all the time? That changes how I interact with God's Word, with the Bible. I remember I had a friend who was serving over in Iraq, and we would write letters back and forth. You know, when I got a letter from my friend, you know what I did? I read it, you know? I wanted to know what's going on in my friend's life. What's happening on your your day-to-day interaction? I didn't have to be told to, and you wouldn't have either. And that's the same idea, guys, with God's Word. I can hear the heart of my friend, God, anytime I want to. It's all right there. I I came to know Jesus as a young adult um, in the Bible. I literally had never read it at all until I was uh, 19 years old. And, And so the Bible was foreign to me. It was intimidating. Some of you guys can relate to that. Let me just say a couple quick things as you you get to work and start to read God's heart, hear his heart. Here's a few things to remember. Start small. Pick a book and read it. The book of John, right? We started that today. Start there. You're going to get to know the heart of Jesus. If you never read the Bible, start there. Start in the book of James if you need another one to go to after that. And let me just encourage you, it just keeps getting better. You're going to hear the heart of God more and more. As you you listen for it and look for it, you're going to see that God's heart's all over the place. The first one's listen. The second one is going to be to talk, (laughs) to talk, right? I've got to get to the point where I'm communicating back with God, as I know that that is intimidating for some of us. Uh, the, The very idea of praying freaks us out. Am I going to mess it up? Am I going to say the wrong thing? I don't know. Is God going to strike me dead if I blow it? How does it work? Say, so what would I talk to God about? I'd say the question back to you, what would you talk to a friend about? You're going to communicate your struggles. You're going to communicate gratitude to that friend. You're going to share your dreams, your anxieties, whatever's on your heart or mind, right, you're going to talk to God about. And you say, does God really want to hear that? Listen, yes, God really wants to hear that stuff. I would tell you that you're probably not going to get to the point where you're sharing so much of yourself that God doesn't want to hear it anymore. That's not going to happen. 
I'd go so far as to say this. If you have something in your life uh, that happened that was tragic and you can't explain it, and today you might be here and you're doubting God or you're angry with God or there's something that's just in between you and God today, He would even want you to communicate that. He'd want to hear that from you. Right? And friend to friend, let's say, He'd want to hear from your heart and meet you there. We got to interact and talk to God. He longs to meet us at that personal level. I'm going to listen, I'm going to talk, and then the third one here is I'm going to commit myself to Him. Commit myself to Him. We talked about this at varying levels of friendship, man. I got to get to the point in a deep and committed friendship where I, I kind of draw the line and say, you are my friend. Like, I am with you. I'm committed to you. I'm going to be loyal to you. If you're struggling, I'm going to show up and, and I am going to serve you. And since we're talking about a friendship with God, we're saying, you are my God. I'm not going to have any other gods, right? I'm going to pick the God of the Bible to be the one that I love and follow and become friends with. You are my friend. I draw that line, make that decision at a deep level. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about making a personal friendship decision. It's different. Right? Church can be part of that, but it's not all of it. It's deeper than that. It shows up at the friend level. Listen, I talk, I commit myself to him, and, and this one's going to sound a little different. Maybe you haven't thought of it this way. I'm going to bear his burdens. I'm going to bear his burdens. Now, this is God we're talking about, so we can't bear all of his burdens, but this is what you do in friendship. Did you know that, that God hurts? That God's heart breaks? I remember this, this happening in a, a deep friendship that I have. Uh, my friend and I were talking, and we were saying, he, he said to me, um, he said, man, when I think about bearing other people's burdens, sometimes that's exhausting to me. He goes, but when it comes to bearing your burdens, he goes, it's kind of easy, right? Because you're my friend. I know you and I love you and I knew what he was talking about because I felt the same way about him. God has burdens that he bears. When he sees things happen in our world, there are things that happen that break God's heart. Uh, These shootings that have happened in these colleges, that stuff breaks God's heart. The persecution that's happening in the church in the Middle East right now. Oh, that stuff breaks God's heart. When we we live among lost people that don't know Jesus and those people remain enemies of God and they don't become friends of God, that breaks God's heart. When Christ followers are complacent about sin in their lives. That that breaks God. So those are burdens. Those things would be heavy to the heart of God. And a friend is going to look and say, God, the things that break your heart, because you're my friend, they're going to break my heart too. And the things that you celebrate, God, those things are going to be the things that I would celebrate Two, your wins are going to be my wins and your burdens are going to be my burdens. Why? Because we are friends. That's what friends do. Listen, I talk, commit myself to him, I bear his burdens. 
And then finally, I'd be loyal to him in all situations. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about loyalty here, right? When I'm faced with a situation where maybe I'm with a group of people and they are encouraging me to do something that I, I know God would hate, right? The guys are looking to go to the strip club or they're trying to show a picture of pornography or whatever, and we're being drawn into that. I want to be loyal to the heart of my God. Right? When the ladies are gossiping and everybody's moving into that arena, I want to be loyal to God. Guys, this is everyday friendship. It's listening, it's talking, it's making a decision to follow. It's seeing the world through my friend's eyes and saying, I'm, I'm going to adopt your vision for the world and your vision for life, and I'm going to choose when I land on a decision to be loyal to your heart. Because what I want to do today, I want to make sure happens, is I want to erase the question in our mind, does God want to be a friend with me? I pray that that is not a question in our mind anymore. You say, why do you ask that? Why do you say that? God has proven to us that he wants to be friends with us. He has bought that friendship with his son. Because I'm not saying that to beat us up. That is, a, that is an act and a demonstration of God's love. God wants to be our friend. He's offered the invitation. The question isn't, does God want to be a friend to me? The question is, do I want to be a friend to God? Right? And will I move towards him and believe and trust in his love and believe and trust in his holiness and I, I'm interacting with the actual God that the Bible describes who is a real person. As for some of us, we're here and we've never approached a friendship with God through Christ. If you're there and you say, I don't know where I land on this map today, Step one is looking at what Jesus has done and saying, Jesus, you have come and you've died for my sin. I want to accept that. I want to receive that invitation. Right? I want to accept your forgiveness for my sin. I want a friendship with God your Father. Because that is a decision to make. You make that and your life will change in all kinds of ways forever. Because for the rest of us, it's looking and saying, can my relationship, my friendship with God be deeper? Can I live in a place where we're actually friends? Not going to church, right? Not casual religious attender. Not, not, right, not a token allegiance to a God. We're talking about friendship with the God of the universe. Let me just say this. You will not find a friend like God. You won't. There, there is no one who will be a friend to you like God. No one will listen at every hour of every day. When you are broken, I've done this. When you are weeping, when no one else understands, when you are misunderstood, no one will be faithful to you like God. No one will understand every detail of the whole situation that no one else can see. 
No one will get that like God will get that. No one else will be able to be consistent and faithful and reliable and they will never fail like God will. Guys, at the end of the day, let me just say this. What we're made for, what we're looking for, is we're looking for a friendship with God. This is what we're created to have. You and I are made to know God. When you feel like something is missing, even though you have friends in your life, if you don't have a friendship with God, that's what is missing. Even if you come to church and even if you say you're a Christian, if it hasn't become personal and deep and where I'm talking and listening, I'm I'm interacting with God as a friend, we're gonna keep longing for that connection. Am I being a friend to God? That's the question today. The offer's on the table from him. We wanna receive that and act on it. As we want to give you a chance to do that even today. We're going to give you an opportunity to listen and to talk, to hear the heart of God. We're going to put some verses up here in a minute. Have the band come out. Love to have you read these verses with God in mind. Right? And, and pray back to Him. Talk back to Him in your heart, in your mind. And interact with Him as a friend. Personal. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for who he is. Be transparent and open. Answer that question. God, am I being a friend to you? Let me pray for us. Father, we are blown away at your mercy in our lives. that not only would you refuse to reject us, Lord, but you would offer us friendship. You give us your love and you teach us how to stay in it. God, I ask that you would meet us here. Lord, you alone know our anxieties, the ways that we're misunderstood, the ways that we feel alone. You're the only one able to be a friend at that level because you're the only one that knows our hearts and the hearts of every other person. God, help us to believe. To believe in your love and to believe in your holiness and to believe that you are looking at us personally and inviting us into friendship. Meet us here this morning. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.